welcome to Central Valley Physicians Podcast. My name is Nicole Butler, and I'm the Executive Director of Fresno Madera Medical Society. And today I have with me Ednan Nas, and he is a physician that specializes a little bit of everything, but mostly in health informatics. Welcome. Thank you. Um, so I guess the first question that I, I wanted to start with, um, what exactly is consumer health informatics? Yeah, so... Uh you know, consumer health informatics is a very interesting field um, that I have kind of put myself into, uh, and I'm not sure how I got here, um, but it's really integrating um, consumer health information and information technology in an environment of shared healthcare decision making uh, that really supports the effective self-health action. Um, really, the, the goal is to integrate consumer preferences into health inf- uh, healthcare and information systems. So, for the most part, there's a lot of people doing this, or at least they think they're doing this, yeah. because you know we we live in a world that let me Google that, let me take a picture and see if that compares to something on the internet. You know, so we we know that people are th- probably thinking they're already doing mm-hmm. a version of this, but you know, is there you know what are what can consumers use to improve their health when it comes to informatics and the internet where they're not just self-diagnosing themselves by looking something up. Sure. I I think there are a lot of things. I I think it's important to understand, as you mentioned, that people think they're doing this and they absolutely are doing this. Uh, You know, the consumer health uh, is not a new concept, right? Um, The consumer health movement itself started in the 1970s uh, where there was this major and greater participation for medical decision-making. There was a prominence of uh, self, the self-help phenomenon that started in the, in the 1980s, um, you know, where people had these tapes. I remember my father used to drive us to school and he had these, um, you know, how to become a better person tapes. Uh, and that's consumer health. You're making, you know, doing something for yourself to make yourself feel better or, or become better. Um, in the 1990s, there was a widespread use of Internet, and that's where people started investigating the world um, and trying to understand more about themselves. Um, And then finally, in the 2000s, the affordability of personal mobile devices and mobile phones uh, has led to where we are today with people Googling everything uh, and looking up information about themselves. So so I see there are both advantages and disadvantages. What are some of the advantages of of consumers or or people looking up and self-diagnosing or investigating things on their own? What are some of those advantages? Well, you know, it really goes uh, towards empowerment. Um, we are in now granting the power to uh, a dependent, uh, independent group of people uh, to enhance their individual um, ability for self-determination. I know that sounds kind of textbooky, uh, but the really the goal is um, and the idea is that we are helping people try to understand and learn more about not only their condition, uh, but other conditions that are out there. Um, so the advantage is that people, the resources are there for people to to have a, a greater awareness. Uh, the disadvantages, well, the, <laughs> the disadvantages are plenty. Um, I, I think that there is, and we can talk about this further, but there there's a plethora of bad information that's available. Um, and, and that is the information that scares people. I, you know, from a physician's perspective, when you go into a doctor's office, I, you know, I actually remember um, docs telling me, I hate the fact that you know doctors have uh, patients have access to this information. I said, well, um, you know, it's important that they do have the information, and it's even more important that um, that the provider themselves is a steward of that information. 
Um, so, you know, you can imagine, you know, they talk about fake news all the time. Well, there's fake health information out there as well. And there's misleading information or stuff that will scare you. Um, you know, people tend to uh, look at the worst outcome. And so, you know, a, a simple rash could mean uh, somebody could look up and say, do I have cancer? Um, well, you know, maybe not. Um, and, and, you know, I had an old attending who used to tell me uh, bad things get worse. Uh, and, and so uh, it, it's important to understand that bad things can get worse. Um, but something so you always have to think about what are the most common problems. Uh, and that's what training comes in. And what are uh, the what are problems that um, uh, actually you know are statistically um, going to happen to a patient? So you know, m good information is definitely out there. Uh, it's great for people to be able to help uh, help solve their own problems, not necessarily solve their own problems, um, and and be able to for patients to be able to mobilize um, uh, in in understanding where resources are are available. Um, and, and f uh, help people take control and feel control of their own lives. Uh, but at the same time, uh, bad information is definitely something that uh, can scare people. You know, let, let's talk about medications. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, just I think most people go to the website to find out, you know, what is this medication, a side effect going to do for me? Sure. Is there what, what type yeah, of things are out there? There's a really great website out there called iodine.com. Uh, iodine spelled I-O-D-I-N-E. Um, and it is really the Yelp for medications. Um, it, it's a great website that has um, non-clinical language to explain uh, patients' medications. Uh, and in fact, you can uh, go and review medications you've taken. So for example, you can talk about your upsides of a medication. Well, if I take it in the morning, I don't feel sick. If I take it with milk, uh, I feel better. Uh, if I take it in the evening uh, on an empty stomach, uh, it makes me hurt. And so patients can review those medications um, and in fact compare um, in the ingredients of medica, especially like over-counter medications, you can review the uh, ingredients of those medications and understand whether or not the CVS or Wal uh, Walgreens brand is as effective as Advil itself. Wow, yeah, really? It's really cool. Hmm. Now, so is there somebody that kind of manages that content from a from a medical standpoint? Yeah, so if you check out their website, I believe uh, I've seen before their co uh, contact information does describe that they have doctors and pharmacists on their um, you know on their panel, uh, and and those are people that are actually going and reviewing medical literature, uh, reviewing uh, the the drug information itself. Uh, and giving in, uh, up-to-date information about um, any particular medication. Okay, fascinating. What about for, you know, just, you know, I think that, I'm not even in healthcare, but I feel like my family calls me, hey, I've got this going on or this going on. I was like, call your doctor, it's a brain tumor, because that's my, my, easy, my easy statement, because I'm not, you know, I'm not a clinical person. Um, you know, what, when patients do feel an ailment or they have a side ache or something is there is there some place out there that they can really go look for information sure i, I think uh, some of the larger websites like webmd um that's a really great place to look um it's a great start uh the mayo clinic um has really really great information about people's conditions um and then there you know we have a lot of uh, chronic disease these days um and and there are you know long-term um, treatment plans that are that patients have to adhere to. Uh, support sites like Patients Like Me um, help you know patients compare their treatments, their symptoms, and uh, ultimately their experiences with people um, who know what they're going through. 
Um, you know, we, we talked earlier about the 1980s uh, self-help phenomena. Well, self-help um, has been clinically known and understood uh, to help people uh, feel better about their condition uh, or their life. Uh, and I think uh, blogging uh, and understanding and asking people questions um, on, on websites like Patients Like Me is a very, very great place um, uh, to to start. Yeah, no, that, that's, I didn't know anything about that website. And that's fascinating, because I do think that there's a lot of chronic issues out there that people, um, you know, even in my family, if they had a chronic issue, and that just nobody there to relate. So now they can go on, read some of these blogs and communicate with with other like type of illnesses or chronic diseases. That's fascinating. You know, so the, the my next question is, is, you know, people are very um, health conscious. And I think that as they should be. But I think people are also trying to look at ways to better track their health, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you probably know where I'm going with this is, you know, every, everybody seems to have an, an Apple watch or an iFit or some type of um, device that tracks their heart rate. Tell me, did this work? Yeah, I, I think they, they, they definitely, um, well, they work when you make them work. Um, and, you know, the better they use them. I, I think their activity monitoring initially is, it, it was the initial type of uh, application that was available for folks. Um, and it really has a potential to engage patients as advocates uh, in their personalized care, as well as offer healthcare providers real-world assessments of their patients' daily activities. Um, while, you know, this potential is to really be realized as the voice of, um, you know, a, a, as, a, as a voice for chronic disease patients um, and their encounters with their providers, um, these devices can ultimately help us de- um, really measure and validate against the clinical assessment that their providers make for them. Um, so are doctors encouraging their patients to use these types of devices? I would say yes. I would say they, they definitely are uh, trying to get folks to keep a fitness journey, um, to you know understand the calories that they're uh, intaking, um, to track their medication usage, um, and use... Um, there are tools out there that help... Um, women track their ovulation cycles and their birth control pills um, or generally their medications and give alerts about their appointments um, and, you know, when are refills available. There's there's actually an app out there that will tell you where the best bathrooms are for IBD and Crohn's patients. And I think that's fascinating. I myself have to use the bathroom all the time and I use the app to find where's a, you know, a patient-friendly bathroom. Um, hotels are typically the best place to go if you're in a large city. Um, but there are a lot of places that you'll, you know, if you pull off on the side of the road, someone's going to say, Hey, no, you can't use the bathroom. Um, and, and that is a major concern for a lot Mm -hmm. of people. Yeah. I, I, I'm trying to think in my head as you're saying on this, I'm like, I use that app. I use that app. I use that (laughs) one too. So there are a, a ton of, um, apps out there. Is there any of them, you know, that you would encourage a patient to use or a consumer to use? Um, you know, I use one of mine is the fitness app. And then I do, I used to try and track my, my food intake, but it gets cumbersome. It's mm-hmm. hard work. It is hard work. And then I didn't believe the, <laughs> the, um, the workout apps. I'm like, I feel like I worked out a lot harder than this is saying yeah, I yeah. did. You know, I, I, you know, you, you mentioned that I feel like I worked out harder than I did. And I, that leads you to, um, where we are with the technology you know we uh we can say that um these apps are helping us track but helping is important uh, as a word because you know these a lot of the applications themselves are not regulated by the fda uh, and they're not 
necessarily um, regulated by uh, our you know, state and federal measurement societies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, while they may be able to track you, they may not necessarily be as accurate, accurate as you right, want them to right. be. I think they're a good assessment of, of, you know, how much you're getting up and walking around. Um or but, if anything, it just encourages you to do it more because I'm like, oh, yeah. I've only walked 5,000 steps. I better get to it. I right, better get absolutely. up and go go exercise or walk around absolutely. a little bit. I would say, though, that um, you know, for patients who are, are taking uh, medication itself, I think you know, applications like MediSafe are really, really important. Um, you know, being able to not only f- never forget a pill again, but uh, applications like that can um, that are are starting to get really really well integrated with people's phones and their technologies. They mm-hmm. can help you find uh, ha- have your friends and family be alerted if you don't take a medication, um, and helps you manage doses, look up pill you know to see what a pill actually looks like, um, and you know again you know cross referencing those with either the information out of a place like iodine or WebMD. Um, helps you understand what this medication is doing for you or side effects to look out for. And that, that's that's fascinating too because I think that, I mean, you kind of, my mind is going thinking, wow, if I had a, a an elderly um, family member that I really had to track, you could actually do that yourself and then contact them, remind them, hey, have you taken this pill or blah, blah, blah. So that, I mean, that, that might be a different topic. Um, <laughs> but I, I do want to talk a little bit because you're reminding me something um, more about telehealth. I hear more and more people are using telehealth to consult doctors or to get a consult from a doctor um, pretty fast because some of them, you know, like if you have an ear ache or ear infection, it will take me less time to contact a telehealth doctor via an app mm-hmm. than it would be to call my doctor, get him for an appointment. You know, what is, I mean, which I think is great, but at the same time, how is that information being tracked? Is it to the responsibility of the patient to, to hey, I contacted telehealth doctor, or they gave me this this prescription, you know, how, how do they know that they're not allergic to it? I guess, I mean, I'm asking a ton of questions here, yeah. but yeah. But talk to me about telehealth a little bit. Yeah, so I think it's important for people to understand what is telehealth. It's a it's a really big word um, that encompasses many technologies, um, but really for the purpose of of uh, of really pa- of patients seeing a doctor um, at home uh, or at work, uh, telemedicine is ultimately a secure way to see your doctor over video. And I think secure is an important aspect of this because we're all concerned about our health information um, and, and distribution of our health information. So really, you can see your doctor face to face over video uh, and receive the same care, if not better, sometimes as an in person appointment. Um, telemedicine uh, for patients, it's easy. You can use your iPhone, you can use your iPad, an Android or a computer with a camera or a microphone. It, you simply are setting up an account um, and, and joining your doctor on a secure video line. So what's interesting about this is um, they have, there have been a lot, they're doing a lot of studies on telemedicine these days. And uh, they're finding that, you know, they're asking who are the people that are actually looking uh, to use telemedicine. And it's typically women in their late 30s um, with one or two children, um, who don't have the time to get away from their, um, from their kids. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's a really telling place to where telemedicine is heading in that, um, it is covering those folks who have busy lifestyles. Of course, this is not for a heart attack. Um, if you're having a heart attack, call 911. Um, this is for, you know, simple ailments, a runny nose, um, a fever, 
Um, I'm having, um, you know, abdominal pain. So what do I do? And, and oftentimes this is a reference, uh, a phone call. So uh, you're going to talk to a doctor before you're going to go sit in an urgent care or an ER or make an appointment with your doctor, which may be days away. Um, you know, telemedicine is a, is a, is a great way to see your doctor, give him the history of what's happening and have him make an assessment of whether or not he can write you a prescription or whether or not, um, you should come in, right. um, to see him or, okay. or potentially go to the ER. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Um, I guess where I was going with this is, is how, I mean, you can't, can't, well, let me ask you this way. Can you use a telehealth physician as your primary care doctor? So uh, I think that's even more interesting is um, millennials today um, in, in other research have, have, sh- have are showing that they are no longer interested in a primary care physician. Uh, while I don't recommend that practice, uh, I think it's interesting um, that patients are going and looking at telemedicine as a way to see somebody quickly on demand. Uh, and then move on with their with their daily lives. Um, you know, this uh, in in Fresno, um, this is a, a traditionally a place where you have a family doc for thirty years. My father's a pediatrician, and and he's seen his patients and uh, since he was a since they were babies all the way through they were eighteen years old. The same doctor every single single day. You know, every single time they need a doc for the rest of their life. Uh, in small towns, you have family medicine docs who give you birth uh, and help bury you. Um, and I, I think that model, um, while it's it's hard to get away from, I think it is I- interesting um, that folks are using telemedicine for primary care. I will say, though, that uh, the benefit uh, of today's technology is that we have electronic health records. And the more deeply integrated telemedicine um, is in electronic health records, uh, the easier it is for other doctors to understand what's happened to you, what is your health history, uh, what are the problems um, that you have, um, and how do you, how are you treated, how should you be treated going forward? So if I call a telemedicine doctor and he prescribes me an antibiotic for something that I, you know, earache, like I said earlier, sore throat or some, some sort, is that information then going into my, my medical record? Um, you know, I, I would say yes and no. Uh, depends on where you are in the country. Um, you know, there are you know great websites out there today that are telemedicine platforms. Places like Teladoc or American Well um, are are widely used. Um, de- again, depending on where you are in the country, they may or may not be integrated with the larger health system that you're in. Um, the of course, a goal would be for that stuff to be uh, you know into your. Uh, into your health record, directly into your health record. But I will say that most telemedicine uh, companies um, do allow uh, and, and do, um, do want to be able to send their information to your primary care, um, be it old school fax, be it by mail, um, or be it via direct, directly into electronic health records. Um, the other thing that's interesting is that there are websites for you to be able to create your own health record. Um, you know, to, to have a personal health record that you're tracking your own log. Uh, and I think, th- you know, that's something that people should do anyway, uh, whether or not they're using a portal uh, like Epic's MyChart um, that community uses, mm-hmm. uh, here, community medical centers uses here. 
Um, but you could you could really be able to track your own information and your own log and 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 build something that is a part of your family, like a family tree. Well, you can have a family health record that is shared amongst you and your family that um, gives appropriate and, and could give appropriate parts of information to those who need it. Yeah, and you, I mean, now my, my mind's just, you know, kind of goes back turning. Now I could have that for my dad. I could have that for my mom. I know what their health wishes are if they, you know, if they are hospitalized. Is, um, and where community's already on Epic, my understanding too is um, St. Agnes and Children's are coming up on Epic That's as well. the rumor, yeah. Yeah, That's so it should be rumor. nice for anybody that lives in the Valley <laughs> that now we'll have one, one operating system or one health um, information system. Absolutely. I, I will say, though, that community is able to still share uh, today with Children's and with St. Agnes uh, and with other organizations, uh, you know, around the country. Okay. So that's still good. To it know. still works. Okay. Yeah. Well, it'll be nice that they're all in one system, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, so we talk about telemedicine and how it is, it's something that is uh, becoming larger and larger for a lot of people. You know, what what do you foresee that the future of healthcare and what's that going to look like for, you know, like my children, the younger generation? What do you think that that's going to look like in the future? You know, I think it's going to be an amalgamation uh, of what we have today, traditional um, inpatient um, visits. Visits, um, as well as telemedicine and self-tracking uh, and self-monitoring. Um, so as you know, there's an Apple Watch out there today that um, allows you to do an e- uh, ECG of yourself. Um, while I, I don't necessarily think that's such a good idea just yet, um, I, I think that uh, being able to enable yourself, uh, being able to reach out to somebody and then going somewhere um, you know, to a hospital or an ER when necessary, I, I think all of those things will continue to evolve. Mm-hmm. I think that um, a lot of pharmaceutical companies and a lot of drug companies are looking towards the future. I was talking with a doctor the other day about um, uh, diabetes, and now they have a new gadget that syncs with your phone to a monitor that's in your arm. You put your your cell phone up to it, or your smartphone up to it, and it tells you what your sugar count is. Mm-hmm. And it's just like that's so fascinating where people were having to prick their fingers and draw blood and put it into a, a modern train system. And so I just think it's going to be fascinating how uh, what healthcare is going to look like in the future. And it, and it is becoming more of the consumer's responsibility to track and to make sure and to have those conversations when they are in the ER. They can't, they can't rely, necessarily rely on the doctor to know it all, especially if, if, you know, they're not seeing their primary care or seeing a doctor in person on a regular basis. Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned the uh, continuous glucose monitor, and I think uh, those are tools that have uh, been advancing for some time now. Um, my brother and sister both actually are type 1 diabetics, and they both have um, CGMs. And uh, it's fascinating for me to, as a technologist to, to look at the tools that they have and watch them improve. Um, there, I know there's an uh, endocrinologist here in town who actually has every CGM ever made since the uh, early 70s. Um, but now these tools are integrating with your phone and are being able to be sent the, you know, an email uh, to your provider that tells you, you know, what have you been doing for the last three months? Where have your sugars been? Um, these new tools, uh, and, and CGMs are, are FDA approved, of course, um, but there are definitely other tools out there that are, you know, we, we talked about this earlier, that aren't necessarily FDA approved just yet, um, but 
at some point we'll get there. Devices mm-hmm. are going to be very, very important in the near future. Um, there are blood pressure cuffs out there that um, that sync with your phone. Um, and, and so imagine that a blood pressure cuff that syncs with your phone and, and you're a patient that needs to be checking their blood pressure very often. It syncs with your phone and it syncs with the health app on your phone. Uh, and then that information is able to um, get to your doctor. Um, and, and your doctor is able to be able to monitor um, whether or not you're doing well or you're not doing well. Um, and you, you talk to doctors, they're going to say, well, when do I have time to do that? Well, you know, I, I think there are I think we, we will ultimately be able to carve out time um, for monitoring or we have people who will be helping doing the monitoring. Uh, I think those processes uh, have still yet to be worked mm-hmm. out. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see easily that, you know, if you're having your, your blood pressure monitored and it hits a threshold that's that's too high, then an automatic alert can be sent to the physician. And then, you know, whoever's monitoring that could say, hey, we need you to come in or, yeah. you know, what's going on or something like that. Absolutely. I, it's not that far of a stretch. I would, no, it's, I would it's not that far of a stretch. I mean, in fact, I know there's a research project going, uh, going on out there that's looking uh, to help monitor truck drivers' uh, drowsiness. Uh, so imagine, you know, that we know that, you know, new Teslas and Mercedes and, and uh, Toyotas are, they have, they have uh, monitors in their cars where um, if you're about to hit somebody, the car will stop itself. Right. Uh, so imagine that, uh, you know, have a sensor either on a, on a driver um, that if you're having a heart attack or if you're falling asleep, the car will pull over to the side. Um, so I think we're getting to a place where um, not only are, um, you know, are, we're tracking ourselves, but we're able to. Um, be conscious uh, of, of, of what's going on around us. So patient safety uh, and public safety itself um, are, are great tools to be looking forward to. It's crazy. So if there is one thing you could recommend for a consumer to do when it comes to um, health informatics, what would you recommend? Where, where would somebody start if they're not doing anything right now? What I recommend uh, for people to do is understand three things. Understand whether or not you're talking to your doctor or you're looking up something online, always try to understand what is my main problem, what, what do I need to do about that problem, and why is it important for me to do that. Um, this, is, um, this is called Ask Me Three. It's, um, it's, it's a way to engage patients uh, written by the National Patient Safety Foundation, um, which is an educational program that encourages patients and, and families to better understand their own health conditions. Um, so whether or not you're asking your, your provider or you're looking up something online, what is it that you need to know? Um, don't dig too far. I think that's uh, hurtful uh, for, for, your, for your psyche and for your mind. Uh, and and you, know, you, just, you don't want to scare yourself into thinking you have something. Um, but you know, ask your doc, well, what's, what's wrong with me? Well, when, and what do I need to do about it? Yeah, you bring up a good point, too, that, that you know yourself better than anybody. And so if something doesn't feel right, you just kind of have to help pinpoint it. And if you can't necessarily find information or research it on your own, then, then pick up the phone, call a doctor, just say, you know, this is what I was feeling this last time. And now I'm feeling like this what time what's what's wrong with me. And that, that's the beauty of having, you know, so many physicians in the valley to help you with those choices. Absolutely. So, Dr. Nas, is there anything else that, you know, we should be thinking about or looking at? Or, you know, there's so, there's so many, so much more we could talk about in this, but I know <laughs> we're running short on time and I'd love to have you back again. But sure. is there one thing that you would like for someone to take with them? Yeah, I, I just want to say again, you know, be cautious of what's out there. Um, you know, there are a lot of uh, 
there are a lot of cool tools out there, but a lot of uh, quirky um, snake oil type tools out there as well. Um, you know, I think the Apple Watch, wait, while it may be um, FDA approved for testing your ECG, uh, for, you know, seeing whether or not you have an arrhythmia, I don't know. I, I, I would venture to say that we don't want false positives. Um, so be careful of what you're looking at. Um, and if you have questions, ask a provider. Okay. Well, thank you. I appreciate your time and coming in. And this has been uh, fascinating. I'm anxious to hear more and hopefully you'll come back in the future. Thank you. 